Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Uh, that lovely face on the other side of the Zoom call is the one and only super producer, Max Williams. They call me Ben, mostly because that's that's the name I go by. And uh, Noel, mm. we're, uh, you, you know, I was thinking this, uh, I, I heard one of our older episodes, right, when the pandemic was hitting, and we were such uh, sweet summer children. Oh my goodness, weren't we? I did, I, didn't I sound pensive just then when you said my name? I just went, hmm. <laughs> because today's kind of a serious episode. Uh, no, it's true, man. We've uh, we've been through it, at least in terms of uh, the podcast. And also, you know, we're right there alongside the rest of uh, humanity. But yeah, it was weird going from like hanging out in person to just like being little floating faces on a screen. But um, thankfully... We're both fully vaccinated, and despite uh, some of the weirdness and trepidation we're having to approach this uh, whole new variant with, I think maybe one day we'll be back to doing it in person again, mm -hmm. uh, at least, you know, occasionally. But um, we've definitely, throughout the pandemic, you know, we've seen a lot of stories we've talked about that have parallels. And the Spanish flu is one that keeps coming up because there was even like an anti-masker kind of sentiments wrapped up in the Spanish flu. There were a lot of interesting parallels to the way it was handled and the way it was kind of politicized. We also recently did a story on stuff that I want you to know about some folks that were taking advantage of the uh, rolling out of vaccines in India, I think specifically by setting up these kind of fake vaccine clinics and charging, mm -hmm. you know, people who were very desperate to get vaccinated uh, in a country where it wasn't particularly available. Um, and I think, you know, giving them something approaching like a saline, you know, injection. Right. Remember that one, Ben? 
Yeah, yeah, I do know. And that was uh, definitely not the vaccine they were supposed to be giving these people. Today's episode makes me think of the millions of medical professionals who were doing uh, hazardous, sometimes incredibly dangerous, always incredibly tiring work and continuing to do so during this pandemic. And civilization, this is not hyperbolic, civilization depends on these people. Uh, and when you see a bad one, they get a lot of press. Like you mentioned, uh, that piece on those incredibly dishonest folks in India. Um, I believe there was someone in Central Europe as well, maybe Germany or Austria, who is also uh, behaving poorly. And today's story is about someone who, frankly, blows those folks out of the water. Uh, fellow ridiculous historians, we are going to introduce you to a quote-unquote nurse, a con artist that you may have never heard of, but one who was infamous in her time for being just, I'll say it, the worst. Yeah, the absolute worst. Um, her name was Julia Lyons. She was 23 years old uh, at the height of her crimes. So she's definitely like a early bloomer. And essentially what she did was take advantage of people suffering from the Spanish flu epidemic by posing as a flu nurse during this time where there were a lot of folks that were in quarantine and there was a real, and like you said, Ben, this need, you know, for these medical professionals, probably to such a, a, a alarming degree that maybe there wasn't as much vetting as maybe should have been mm -hmm. going on. And folks who were maybe volunteering say, oh, I have nursing experience would maybe just be, oh, please help us. We will take all the help we can get. And Lyons absolutely capitalized on that. Um, her crimes took place in Chicago around 1918, uh, or at least that was when she was arrested, kind of, again, like at the at the peak of these scams. And she'd, you know, run various scams in the past, but looked at this, you know, absolute uh, nightmare scenario, not as what it was, or even like as something that she herself should fear, weirdly enough, but as an opportunity to rob people blind, as they were maybe dying, uh, at the very least, suffering horribly. Definitely. Yeah, she had some big chaos as a ladder, little finger vibes. And she also had a rap sheet before this, by the way. She didn't just suddenly go from a Jekyll to a Hyde. In September of 1918, as uh, the Chicago Tribune shows us, and as is later cited extensively in a wonderful little article by Mental Floss, Lyons is as you said, 23, and she is the perfect miscreant for a crime reporter because crime reporting in newspapers of this day were a little more, the language was a little more stylized. Chicago Tribune called her 23-year-old woman of marvelous gowns and haughty men. <laughs> and <laughs> she, she was uh, accused of performing various miracles at getting ready money. This this was when she was arrested, is when Chicago Tribune was publishing this article about her. And eventually, she escaped from the police station. So she never went to trial for the first crimes she's on record as being arrested for. And I can only imagine that it must have been easier to escape the long arm of the law back then, because this sure. is also not going not gonna to be her first escape. Uh, and she that close call did not put her on the straight and narrow. 
Uh, she had a couple of other aliases that she would that she would use depending on the situation. And after she escaped, she's a petty criminal. She has decided that, like you said, the flu epidemic is an excellent opportunity to make a ton of money. And it, it really is a chaotic time for the U.S. and the world. I think at this point, uh, we should acknowledge the 1918 flu was monstrous. It was a disastrous event. Where uh, how many people were? Uh, how many people died in the U.S. alone? Yeah, it was around 675,000 people in the United States alone. And this number staggers me. Uh, 50 million people worldwide. So that quite uh, borderline dwarfs the uh, corona pandemic that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah. This is insane because the estimates of death for the flu pandemic of 1918 are still, they still vary widely. But we know about two years into it, almost a third of the population across the planet had been infected. So this was this was dangerous. This was getting everywhere. And I love the point you made earlier about desperation. This was a crucial piece of the con because you may hear a lot of reports in your neck of the global woods of very true and tragic and frightening stories about hospitals being overcrowded. Uh, medical professionals literally running out of supplies and beds. This is happening in Chicago in 1918, and people are desperate for in-home care, to have a, a nurse come visit you, administer medicine, pick up your prescriptions for you. That's a big thing. And uh, help you avoid the crush of going to a hospital, right, which could be a, a dangerous place infection-wise. So she said, and this is so simple, but it, it works. She said, you know what? Nobody's really going to have time to check whether I went to nursing school. I'll just say I've got a different name. I'll call myself something like Ruth Hicks or Mary Walker or Mrs. H.J. Barons or, you know, <laughs> whatever name feels good. Very wholesome sounding names, uh, no doubt. But yeah, no, it's true. I mean, they were just in such desperate need of personnel to like help out that they absolutely weren't going to look much further than uh, the registry that she signed up for. The, this was like this nursing kind of volunteer registry. So she gets placed in these various homes with, with individuals that are suffering from the, the pandemic. And she would do some very interesting things. I mean, this is like borderline like mafia kind of like construction grift kind of stuff where it's like you 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 charge like three times the price for like a chair or like a piece of building materials and you bill it, you know, in, in a way where you're, you're kind of hiding the money by like overcharging for like toilets and fixtures and things like sure. that. I can't remember the exact name of that con, but she's doing something like that, but like more instead of bilking insurance companies, she's bilking individuals. It's, it's, it's really just brazen. So she'll get the prescription filled. She'll pay for it herself. And then she'll charge the patient uh, an exorbitant amount for whatever the the you know the uh, prescription might be. For example, she charged one patient sixty three dollars for like a dose of oxygen that actually only cost five dollars. Ouch. Um, yeah, Mental Floss has a fantastic article about this whole situation, uh, and they ran the numbers on the uh, the inflation calculator, so we won't have to. We can still say boop. 
I like the boop. boop. Let's do the boop. <laughs> okay. Okay. Man, Max, you got a strong boop, my friend. It's a very um, goth boop. It's such a goth boop. Uh, but yeah, so $63 to $5, you know, which is what it would actually cost. Today would be the equivalent of charging someone $1,077 for an $85 item. So, I mean, yeah. you got to wonder if, if, if she's if she's being placed in these homes through this registry, like, I don't know that she would have the luxury of being able to pick her marks. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like them being more wealthy, that, that would be easier to kind of bilk in this way because as we'll get into it, another part of this was just outright theft. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many 
different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So she started to develop a few nicknames again after she got caught. Chicago Tribune really kind of chronicled this whole thing in this very uh, absorbing and, like you said, Ben, hyper-stylized way of the time. The writing, we'll get into a few more quotes um, as we go. They're they're really great. Uh, But they dubbed her Flu Julia or I believe Slick Julia was one of them. Um, I think there might have been a few other nicknames, but those are the two that, that stand out. Uh, and apparently, one of the grifts that she would do, um, she, she had a lot of uh, co-conspirators, and one of them was someone that police had identified uh, after the fact as a known narcotics supplier uh, and, quote, dope seller. Um, but apparently, one of the ways she would do this whole prescription grift is she would actually have this person forge prescriptions for her, then she'd pick them up and sell them back to the the, the patients for, like, more money. It's a little confusing, because I also got to wonder, like, was she just telling the patient that she had prescribing power, Ben, do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's a little unclear at this point, uh, but it does, it does seem that to get the actual drugs, the actual medications, she was going to a legitimate pharmacy. So she needed some kind of prescription to actually pick something up. So she was definitely lying to her marks and she was definitely lying to the drugstore. And I am really interested, this part of the story stood out to me, I was really interested to see how the dope boy on the corner Uh, Like, what does his doctor's impression look like? And we'll find out, by the way, a little bit more about why it was so easy for these folks to impersonate medical professionals at this time. Like, if you went into a hospital back then, even if you were hanging with legitimate doctors and nurses, they might often be in plain clothes, you know, and they might not have sanitary gear, or at least not the kind you would expect today, which we would call PPE, personal protective equipment. So she would forge these prescriptions. And when the grift was starting to go a little south, she would ditch town or she ditched the house, not Chicago. And on the way, she would commit straight-up theft. Like you said, she would take cash, any clothing that caught her eye, any jewelry. Uh, She was a bit of a magpie. Anything that wasn't tied down and that she could carry. Mm -hmm. And she was known for... uh, She was known for especially loving flashy clothes. And uh, the Tribune writes about these specific incidences because she does this more than once. And if we want to peek into her mind, you might say, okay, she is maybe, you may be tempted to say she's not as bad as some of those folks who were giving away fake vaccines in 2021 because she was actually giving people medicine, even though she had no no qualifications upon which to recommend treatment. The thing is, though, she didn't care about these people at all. No, in fact, I think I've I've cleared this up a little bit, Ben. It looks like this dope 
dealer guy was actually coming into the home yes. dressed as like a fake MD and like writing the prescription. So, you know, f- but then she would, I, I think she would like make sure that it looked legit, but oftentimes she would be selling the, uh, or, or charging the patient uh, for uh, a placebo. They weren't forging the prescription and then going and getting them the actual drugs they need. She was like making these fake drugs out of uh, something called cherryola, which is like um, uh, an early kind of form of lip tint, like almost like a lip Mm -hmm. balm, but like with, you know, it's it's meant to be like a lip color, but it doesn't come in a tube. It comes in a little like a like a tin that you'd maybe like put your finger on or use a a brush or something. But uh, I guess she would use that to dye you know, some sort of liquid, because I, I would imagine that the uh, the medication of the time would have been some form of, like, laudanum-laced cough syrup or something like that, right, to help with the pain of the coughing and also, you know, help uh, with the symptoms. But you'd think it would also, that would just be treating the symptoms and not actually, but they didn't have a cure. It was just about treatment and kind of sweating it out, right? Yes, this is the thing. Let me, let me correct this, uh, because I misspoke here. I don't think they're going to, she nor her doctor friend are going to the pharmacy and picking up heavy hitting drugs like morphine or something. I think they're, I I think they're doing what you did, what you're describing most of the time. They're getting placebos and they're saying, hey, you know, like things that won't hurt you, but aren't going to cure the flu either, right right like right. oxygen is not going to hurt you in the amounts that they're administering it but it's not going to magically cure the flu and we see moments where she seemed pretty cold uh she actually spoke with a nine-year-old an unfortunate kid named eddie rogan who said hey come please help my older brother george he's quote and this is from the Washington Post. He's out of his head with illness. And then Lyons says, oh, let him rave. He's used to raving. And you know what happened to George? He died. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, out of his head with um, illness makes me think he was just like deliriously feverish, maybe, you know? Yeah, or, I think yeah. that's a good call. I think yeah. that's probably it. And it certainly would cause you to, you know, rave or like to just not be, have your wits about you. So no, not only did she not even care emotionally in any way, shape, or form. I mean, she was actively, you know, her part of her grift was keeping these people sick. And finding vulnerable people. Finding very vulnerable people. It probably made them easier to grift. And she was really good at, like, building this fake narrative uh, mm-hmm. that made her more appealing. Um, she was just absolute master con artist. I mean, that's essentially what, what she was. There's a story that the Tribune tells uh, of the Chicago Tribune tells of this elderly gentleman that she was helping. And when she came and, and saw him for the first time, she really wanted to get her hooks in. So she starts with this story about like, oh my gosh, Mr. So-and-so, do you remember me? I'm I'm Julia or whatever pseudonym she's using. I, I knew you when I was a little girl. I used to hitch on your wagons. Yeah. And I imagine this is just what, like hopping on the back and catching a ride, you know, for funsies. Like that's something a cute little kid would do that wouldn't be annoying if you were like an old old grizzled farmer. Sure. And so many decades have passed. This is such a vague statement. Uh, It's based on the fact that this guy had wagons in the past. And so he's literally thinking, well, I must have had some uh, some children hitching on the wagons. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. I got to I mean, did she know that? Was she just doing a shot in the dark? Like, she had researched this guy? I mean, she must have. Yeah. Really fascinating. And yeah, and he, uh, 
he began, he, you know, like you said, at first he was a little like, well, I don't specifically remember you, but sure, why not? Um, you're here to help me after all. And now I feel closer to you and less likely to be suspicious of any, you know, stuff that goes missing or weird, unreasonable charges for things like oxygen um, and, you know, uh, cherry tinted liquid. But yeah, it, it turns out that when the police came and interviewed this man, uh, he actually defended her. You know, oh, yeah. saying, no, no, there's no way. There's no way. I knew her. She used to hitch on my wagons. <laughs> yeah, when she was a little girl, she hitched on my wagons. I'm I certain. I'm she certain she did. Wagons, detective. Now, I'll thank you to watch your tone. And then the next, I don't know why I turned British at the end. But the next, the next night, or like within a few hours, actually, that night, flew Julia vanishes. And on the way, she makes off with a wristwatch. She takes some cash and some other household items. And so come the next day, this victim tells the detectives, by golly, I, I guess I was wrong. And she's gone. She's grifted. She's got a new name. She's burned that other identity. So this was all coming to a head. Uh, and the, the hunt for her is on. Law enforcement realizes there's one person doing these crimes. So in November of the same year of 1918, the cops are able to get a lead on Julia through a friend of hers named Eva Jacobs. And Eva Jacobs, this is where we get our, like, crime board with the red string and the little photographs. Yep. Uh, yeah, Eva Jacobs lived in an apartment with another con artist named Suicide Best Davis. And according to the Tribune, again, the writers of the Tribune are having or making a meal of this for sure. Uh, the Tribune says this house is a known hangout for thieves and police do a wiretap. They tap the phone and from those conversations they're listening into, they learn Julia lives pretty much in the neighborhood. And so they start trailing her. And one day she is setting off to marry a guy. This is so of the time to marry a guy called Charlie the Greek. Charlie the Greek runs a restaurant on West Madison Avenue and before they can get married, before they can exchange their I do's and their official kiss, the cops apprehend her, they arrest her, they handcuff her. And then she says, apparently she's shouting at the detectives. I don't, you know, I don't know how much of this is pure style and embellishment and how much of this is a verbatim quote, just to be clear. But she says, the wedding's all bust up. You got me. <laughs> it's all bust up. Um, she sounds like a gun mall or something. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right. I mean, I guess that would have been. She she wasn't too far from that. I mean, she didn't mm -hmm. really use guns and she didn't murder anybody directly, but she essentially was a, a member of organized crime. I mean, this is all these grifts were very uh, methodically planned. She had other confidants that she worked with, you know, that we'll, we'll hear a little bit more about later um, that did, didn't come out uh, right away. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. The level of callousness this woman exhibited towards these like super, super vulnerable people. I just, you know, can't wrap my head around it, but I guess that's why, uh, you and I are not, uh, the sociopathic grifters. Would you consider this woman? I'm, we're not psychologists either, but mm. she seemed more of a sociopath to you or is she inching into psychopath territory? Yeah. It's an interesting question. Not a psychologist or profiler by trade, but she is definitely not exhibiting a ton of empathy for other people, including the guy she was going to marry, apparently with a couple 
got arrested, both of them, not just Julia. And Charlie the Greek is in jail. And one of the detectives says, so how long have you, how, how long have you known her? Well, according to the Washington Post, they said, how long have you known this dame? And then Charlie says, 10 days. That is, <laughs> I thought I knew her. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so even though this guy, you know, was a crook unto himself, uh, she even kind of put one over on him. Um, and it turned out that she, you know, was in league with uh, this woman, Ava, uh, who she was found with. Um, so when she was hauled into the police station, she actually uh, ran into physically the widow of one of the patients that she had, you know, left for dead, essentially. Because, you know, again, the, the need is so great. There's so much chaos going on that there's not necessarily going to be a social worker or anybody else checking in on you to make sure that this nurse was legitimate. And she would essentially just, you know, give these people fake medicine, uh, take all their you know, valuables and then leave them for dead. And that is exactly what she did to her husband who, mm -hmm. who died, who died. And she screams at him, you killed my husband. There is no punishment too terrible for you. And Julia was brought up uh, on charges of larceny, running a confidence game and obtaining money under false pretenses. And uh, this guy named uh, uh, John Hickey, who is a deputy sheriff, um, he volunteered to take her on the ride to the, uh, the courthouse from the county jail. He was warned by the chief bailiff of the court, John C. Ryan, telling her, don't let her get away. Um, she is pretty slick, which I imagine is where the name <laughs> Slick Julia came from, the paper gave to her. Uh, and he's like, oh, whatever, it's fine. I've, I've got this. Um, she won't be able to get away from me. Yeah, and the detectives who had been running point on the case even said, look, she'll go if she gets a chance. Better put the irons on, meaning better put the handcuffs mm -hmm. on. Don't just escort her. I'm sure there was some, oh, she's just a woman I'm sentiment, sure. too, oh, from this I'm guy, sure. you know? Yeah, and uh, let's also keep in mind Chicago at this time is kind of corrupt. We can say that. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like, uh, 
a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So here's what happens. There's a patrol wagon that would typically be used to transport someone like Julia to the courthouse. Instead, this deputy sheriff takes her in a streetcar, and he does, he does at this point, get her to court. Streetcar being like a trolley or like some form yeah. of public transit, right? Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. And so in court, there's a field day. It's pandemonium. There are somewhere around 50 victims who testify about her dastardly deeds. She is slapped with a $13,000 bond, thanks to Washington Post for the inflation calculator here. But Max, if you still want to do the honors. Boop. <laughs> Poetry, yes. So $13,000 back then was more than 190 grand today. So this courthouse proceeding takes about an hour and a half, and this deputy Hickey takes Lyons back, and he's going to put her back in the clink. But the police get a phone call from him while he's supposed to be en route. And Noel, first he says, OMG, you guys, Lyons. Julia Lyons, flew Julia, has leapt out of the vehicle and she climbed into a getaway car and it sped away way too fast for me to chase it down. The uh, his bosses are like, really, dude? Yeah, um, it's crazy that she had this much foresight to have the getaway car ready. 
Like she must have communicated their position and like, you know, when she was going to bail out. And it's also just a really bold move to jump out of a moving streetcar. Uh, but it would have been easy enough to do and certainly would have been harder to do in the back of a proper police car with handcuffs on. But instead, this guy is a real dope. Um, let's, let's He kind of had it coming here. But still, the coordination is the thing that impresses me. Like she would have had to dive out of the streetcar, hit the ground rolling, and then jump right into this car. And then it was able to speed away. And the guy didn't even have his own wheels. Right, he was yeah. like on a public uh, transportation vehicle. He, he wouldn't have even been able to like. I guess he could have commandeered it, but if it's a streetcar, I mean, those are on tracks, right? Yeah. Well, if, if this story is true, it's the thing because he has another version of this story when his bosses think this doesn't add up. He says, "Okay, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I, let me let me get my head straight." Julia said she wanted to go to a bank to withdraw some cash on the way back to jail. So I took her there and then I turned around for just a second and then she was gone. That's what actually happened. Hand to God, guys. And then the, the, his, bosses, his bosses are looking at Hickey. They're increasingly skeptical because his story has kept changing. And they think, you know, we live in early 20th century Chicago. It's not, it's not an uncorrupt place. Hickey, did you accept a bribe? from flu julia also why are you so far away from the jail you're supposed to be taking her to and uh one guy one of the detectives concludes if they were all the way out where they were found then hickey and flu julia must have been get this no cabareting together what does that mean like gallivanting around town like tomcatting around what is, cab- like, like- what is cabareting it's like going to a cabaret hall, I guess. Oh, so, just like going clubbing, like, like going I out think and so, you know, yeah. hitting, the, hitting the town, painting the town red. I guess that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So they were so uh, brazenly like unconcerned that they were just like out having a good old time. Yeah, it must have like, you know, the way I picture it is we know this person had a lot of charm and was tremendously manipulative. So it's quite possible that you know, while they were en route from the courthouse to the jail, she turned on the charm and said, hey, you know, I might be going a while, away for a while. Um, can we just, can I just have one last hurrah? Can we just go somewhere and hang out for a second? You know, let's dance. Nobody dances anymore, officer or whatever. Uh, and maybe it, it must have worked or maybe she just paid him off. Uh, and then another one of her friends shows up because she had a network. Uh, someone named Pearl Aldridge, who says, actually, we arranged this entire caper with Hickey in advance. She confesses that he is an inside man uh, for her escape. And when that news hits, Hickey is suspended. And then he actually goes to jail that night, or at least he spends the night in jail. And this is exactly what you're talking about. They resume their search for her, and this is where she gets that nickname, Slick Julia. I guess it's a little more universal than Flu Julia. Uh, you know, she doesn't want to be tied down to one period in her criminal career. To I mean, one you grift. Know, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, like <laughs> we said, like when we at the top of the show, I, I actually misspoke a little bit too. I said at the top of the show when she was, I think, 23 uh, is when she was at the peak of her grifting career. That's not true. That was just where she was at that time before this Spanish flu grift really, you know, became her focus. 
But just to reiterate, she had been like kiting checks and um, impersonating members of the Justice Department, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the and again back to the, some amazing Chicago Tribune quotes: ver- uh, performing various miracles at getting ready money, uh, which is very much what she continued to do and perfect. And also clearly something of a master escape artist. But it's not like she was going to take any lessons learned from any of these brushes with the law. Um, She No, she just continued to double down because that's what people like that do. Uh, And in March of 1919... After, you know, examining all of those nurses' registries, again, which would have been, you know, just an insane amount of paperwork to go through, detectives were finally able to find her, and she was operating under the name Mrs. James, running her con at a house on Fullerton Boulevard, where she was looking after a patient named Mrs. White. And again, highly recommend uh, reading all of this Mental Floss article uh, about Flu Julia by Ellen Gutoski, uh, called Slick Julia Lyons, the con artist who posed as a nurse during the 1918 flu pandemic, mm-hmm. then robbed her patients. Whew, that is a doozy of a headline. And at this point, when the detectives come to confront her, again, she's operating under the name, uh, just to, for the full name, M.S. James, um, they, they, they were able to find her. And then there's another amazing bit of reporting from the Chicago Tribune, Mrs. M.S. James, which is kind of funny, because it's like Mrs. Yeah. Miss James. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonder if that was a little wink wink nod or something like that or just her you know keeping it keeping it fresh keeping herself amused yeah. uh mrs ms james nay flew julia nay slicker julia whoa mm-hmm. she's now slick, not just slicker. slick julia she's slicker because she, she hasn't even game. reached her final form i know, you know? she hasn't That's reached her saying. final form she's just a little greasier than she was the last time she got in trouble Slicker Julia, who walked away from former Deputy Sheriff John Hickey. By the way, let's just really quickly remind uh, all of ourselves that uh, he was in on it. She had paid him off uh, when I was like getting so uh, weirded out earlier about like, how did she manage to pull this off? It was because she had cooperation and he was so foolish with his handling of her pretty much like on purpose. Got to uh, keep anyway. your story straight. I mean, got to keep your story straight. One stuff. Totally. Absolute rookie Max mistake. is over here shrugging like what? You pick one story and you just stick to stick it. Stick with no it. No matter how like off the rails it goes, as soon as you change stories, you're caught. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to exactly. make it simple. Keep it simple. Um so again, former deputy sheriff uh yeah. John Hickey walked back into cuz it's Julia. She walked back into custody involuntarily last night. Yes. Um, and oh. that's what yeah. Yes, she did. It's weird reporting. Uh, she got charged. I, Max, we've been going on easy on you with the sound cues, but can we get like a, like a, a you know, on late night variety shows or talk shows where they do the drum bits during like a joke or a top 10? Can we get one at something like this? Okay. In addition to her 19 previous counts of larceny, but um, uh, she also gets not, uh, she also gets, charged with obtaining money by false pretenses, but I'm bum <laughs> conducting a confidence game, but I'm and then one other slightly unexpected charge, bigamy. Noel, we know what bigamy is. Yeah, wait, bigamy is just the act of embiggening oneself. No. <laughs> bigamy is it's sort of like cheating or it isn't is. it having yeah, multiple partners? Double marriage. Ah, getting yes. married while you're still married. Mm-hmm. Even oh, if that's right. So polygamy if, it, polygamy is just a more like a, an escalation of bigamy, right? Yeah, uh polygamy is 
having more than one wife or husband at the same time. Uh, bigamy is when you are marrying someone while you're already married. So mm. in order to experience polygamy, you have to commit bigamy, but bigamy has the connotation of being a crime. Right? Exactly. Culturally, uh, it's okay to be polygamous in, in many parts of the world. So I guess that just means that she had a previous marriage. Um, they didn't actually dissolve it properly. And then in order likely to to keep up certain grifts, she, she married again, uh, probably under false pretenses. Now, remember, she married Charlie the Greek after New yes, Orleans for mm -hmm. 10 days. So they must have signed the paperwork and she just got arrested at the ceremony. And then uh, she had she had taken on a new partner, a soldier by the name of E.M. James, which is probably where she got Miss James from. Oh, uh, yeah. she, had, she had known this guy for four days. She is one uh, sweet-talking, grifting lady right there. Um, she, she actually says in an interview uh, on the record uh, that she met him while working at a deli on the south side of Chicago, and she described it as being like uh, love at first sight. She said it was so romantic. We only knew each other four days when I became his bride. We went to Papa's farm on our honeymoon. I'm sorry. Wait, who, who's Papa? I don't. I don't recall hearing anything about Papa. It's probably the drug dealer from earlier. Big Papa. Yeah, I like. It. It. I like mm -hmm. the idea of all the all the dude grifters or all the dudes she mentions also being the same guy. So what if this guy is like also Hickey? And he's also yeah. somehow Charlie the Greek. And and, and the weird uh, dope dealer doctor guy, right? Yeah, I'm saying, what if it's all him? No, it'd be great. I love that idea. Uh, and it's interesting because we talked about, I think earlier, like there was this like club that they would hang out at, like in Chicago, where like all of the con artists, like kind of like, you know, uh, gathered, yeah, I guess. The apartment block, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, excuse me, it wasn't a club, but it was like a, you know, an area where it was common for a lot of these folks in this game, you know, which is so specific, right? They're not mm -hmm. selling drugs. They're not doing hits for the mafia or anything. They're not in organized crime at a high level. This would have been I mean, this is in Chicago, right. so this would have been before, like, right before Prohibition. So this actually would have been before La Costa Nostra and like organized crime really made it to the United States. So this may have been the highest level of this kind of larceny. Uh, it was much less organized and much more like small groups doing it, but it was essentially, you know, not that far off from the kind of cons that mobsters run. Yeah, that's a very good point because this is like everybody knows prohibitions on the way, but it hasn't really come into effect yet, I believe. So she's she hasn't been able to escape forever. She is actually going to go to court and she tries her best to get out of it all through the trial. First, she alleges a grand conspiracy. She throws herself at the mercy of the court, saying, saying something to the effect of, uh, like, capitalizing on charm and, and perceived innocence and saying, you know, I've, I've been forced to do these terrible things by a band of thieves and ne'er-do-wells, and that doesn't work. So then she pleads insanity, and she's like, oh, oh, psych, actually, I'm crazy, and to prove it, I'm gonna faint. <laughs> exactly. So wound. <laughs> yes. It kind of goes back to like one of our, like our previous podcasts when we were talking about the uh, crazy, crazy Dom, where it's like no one knew what insanity like kind of was, I guess. So she's like, I'm insane. Look at me faint. And it's like, that, <laughs> exactly. That seems like something completely different. Umbrellas are for outside. Yeah. I By the way, that. does this make a crime qu qu quadrilogy? 
Mm. You know what? Let's make this part three of our two part series. <laughs> I think that's on right. Dumb criminals. I think that's right. That's great. That's you know what? I love that, Noel, because that also uh that that means that we're not just covering stories about dudes. That's uh, fair. Yeah. yeah. Does that mean we save the Gotti bros for another time? Yeah, yeah. Let's you know what? They may become our next R- Rasputin because we still have never done an episode on that guy, and he is the protagonist of this show if you look at the logo he is he really is uh he's like our big bad uh, i believe if i'm not mistaken uh there is a project in the works by um i think david eggers the guy that did the witch and uh you know the the lighthouse and he's one of these amazing probably Ooh. one of the most amazing filmmakers working right now and he's has had a long-standing interest in making a rasputin film which uh mm-hmm. other than anastasia can't really think of any really great personifications of uh, Rasputin in, in, in film. Can you? Uh, there are some great comic book uh, depictions. Um, there, there are some novels. Uh, he is going to be, I think you're right, uh, Eggers is going to do, Robert Eggers, right, is going to do correct. Uh, a miniseries, I think, about Rasputin. And then I saw the trailer for, do you remember the Kingsman series? Yes, the one that's kind of like almost like, um, oh, cloak and dagger kind yeah, of like, like, like James Bondy spy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. So there's another uh, there's another iteration in that franchise coming out, and Rasputin, I believe, is one of the villains. But that is not, I, I assume, it is not to be mistaken for an historically accurate Rasputin. Uh, and probably stories, little snippets. There's probably snippets of uh, history. Story is in so interesting. I, yeah, I we've talked about ridiculous historians. The one of the big reasons, speak behind the curtain, that we go back and forth on Rasputin is because we honestly cannot figure out if it is if he is a better subject for ridiculous history or a better subject for stuff they don't want you to know. He's like right there in the Venn diagram. You do a crossover. All we gotta do is get Matt and Paul in here, and then we're good. We could do oh. a crossover with ourselves. Dang, <laughs> that's fun. All right. I mean, you think about the Venn diagram. We already got two of the five, so exactly. Yeah. Well, I think we should uh, we should uh, sleep on that, and I think mm-hmm. we should probably. Glad we didn't sleep on this story, but I, I don't know, Ben. Is there anything to add for uh, did did what what happened ultimately with our uh, our anti heroine? Lost track of her. It ends a little bit mysteriously because she gets ultimately convicted. She is sentenced to serve one to ten years, and. After that, she kind of fades off the map, which means that, you know, if she did get out of prison successfully, she may have just taken up a new name and lit off for a new town. But there ends the story of Flu Julia, who, as we said at the beginning, was infamous in her time and infamous in Chicago. Uh, And with this, we, again, want to thank all of the all of the nurses, all of the doctors, all of the EMTs, all the healthcare professionals that have been working around the clock for more than almost two years now. Can we say that? Yeah. Yeah. Even before the pandemic hit. So uh, thank you for for spending some time with us today. Uh, Stay safe. And I, I don't think we need to say it, Noel, but just to, just, just to cover ourselves, don't commit crimes, even if they seem like fun grifts. 
Uh, 100%. Uh, and nothing <laughs> seemed particularly fun about these. I mean, these were all no. like kind of, you know, th- there, there's no robbing from the rich and giving right. to the poor scenario. And this is literally, I mean, you know, maybe some of these folks were wealthy, but it's literally robbing from the vulnerable and, you know, keeping it. Um, so, yeah, not not a good person, Slick Julia. And again, a lot easier to disappear back in these days. We hear about this kind of thing happening. Um, and it's just because they just didn't have the level of like surveillance and mm-hmm. digital footprints and tracking bank records and stuff. It would have been much more easy to disappear or to fake one's own death uh, back in uh, these days. So, Oh, and if someone shows up at your house, first off, it's 2021. People shouldn't be showing up at your house unannounced. Right. But if, so- if someone shows up at your house and they say, hey, I'm a doctor and or a nurse what can i help you with just close the door totally it's vampire rules don't invite him in (laughs) there it is there it is thank you as always to max williams thank you to casey pegram uh thank you to let's see who who else do we have on the docket today mr brown oh obviously jonathan strickland the quizster we need to get him back or you know just have him uh come at us uh it's definitely something that we're due for um christopher hasiotis here in spirit Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Max, I'm going to thank you again. Ben already did. We we couldn't do it without you, buddy. Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And with that, uh, join us for our next episode, which may also be a continuation of our two-part Dumb Criminals episode. But I don't... You know what? This She's not dumb, though. Oh, no, she's not dumb. She's definitely not dumb, but... uh, quite a terrible, terrible person. And for those of you who say we go too ham on the thank yous, uh, I I see you and I hear you, but I couldn't disagree more. Thank you for the note. Uh, We will not take it under advisement because we like to give thanks. That's just who we are. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.